This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we begin with The Green Hornet, an American radio adventure series that debuted in 1936 and introduced the character of the masked vigilante. It was the brainchild of George W. Trendle, Detroit's WXYZ. He was co-owner and managing partner who had spearheaded the development of the same companion shows, The Lone Ranger and The Challenge of the Yukon. He sought to create a series that would, quote, show that a political system could be riddled with corruption and that one man could successfully combat this white-collar lawlessness. Distinguished by its use of classical music for themes and for bridges between scenes, The Green Hornet was one of radio's best-known and most distinctive juvenile adventure shows. The series detailed the adventures of Britt Reed, debonair newspaper publisher by day and crime-fighting masked hero at night. With his faithful valet, Cato, the daring young publisher matches which uh, with the underworld, risking his life so that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. And now we go to the Green Hornet in the episode entitled Protection, Inc. The Green Hornet. the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. His faithful valet Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Ride with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure Protection Incorporated. The Green Hornet strikes again.
The street was narrow and lined with small stores and shops. Most of them owned by dealers in fruits and vegetables, foreign delicacies, and special foods for holidays. A large car turned into the street and moved slowly until it reached Cartosi's market. No one noticed the small object that flew from the car window toward the fruit store. The car suddenly leaped ahead with a great surge of power and speed. A moment later, a blast shook the neighborhood. Hey, Miss Case. Mr. Reading? Uh-huh. Are you surprised? Yeah, I am surprised. Don't tell me that last night's bombing got him down to the office before noon. <laughs> Something got him here. It might have been the bombing. Oh, but look, Gunnigan, sometimes Britt Reed tries very hard to do as his father wants. Sometimes, but only sometimes. If he'd hit the ball all the time like the old man did, he might make a publisher. I'll never forget when I was made city editor. Can you remember that far back? Yes, I can remember that far back. <laughs> Mr. Reed in his office? <laughs> yes. Experts with him. Well, he don't count. Hey, Mr. Reed. Oh, Gunnigan, I'm glad you're here. I was just going to buzz you. Well, I got something on my chest, but you talk first. Axford and I were just talking about that bombing last night. Yeah? I had to tell you about it, Gunnigan. That ought to be good. Oh, Gunnigan. After the last war, there was a regular wave of racketeer bombings and shootings. Do you remember? The Roaring Twenties? Yeah, I remember them. I was telling Reed about them. Do you suppose we're going to have to go through the same thing all over again? What's Axford's theory? By golly, Gunnigan, I'm glad you asked that. Axford brought have... something to my attention. Here, look at this picture. It's a picture I had at home. It's a lug I helped jail a long time ago. Dynamite Fletcher. I remember him. Did you help call him, Axford? That I did. That's when I was on the cops. Fletcher went down for a 10 to 20 stretch. And he done the limit. But he got out a couple of years ago and dropped out of sight. Well, we had a squib when he got out. I remember it. Axford says that last night's Cartosi bombing and the earmarks of the old Fletcher gang. It was the same technique, Gunnigan. The cops found hunks of iron pipe. And that's the way Fletcher used to make his bombs. He'd load a hunk of two-inch pipe with dynamite and a cap. A hunk of fuse was lighted and the works was tossed out of a car. The ends were plugged, of course. The ends of what? Of the iron pipe! Here's the point, Cunningham. With a lot of food controls lifted and a lot of money in circulation, the specialty shops are going to do a whale of a business this season. They did a whale of a business in Thanksgiving trade. Exactly. And it'll be even bigger between now and Christmas. The field is ripe for a fruit racket. And that's the theory of the mastermind? Yeah. I deduced it, Gunnigan. Oh. I also deduced that dynamite fletchers may be behind the racket. Well, what do you want me to do? Go out and find dynamite fletcher for the cops? <laughs> That's a fine idea. Oh, look, Mr. Reed, seriously, we... Seriously, Gunnigan. I want the Daily Sentinel to make big things of Axford theories. Let's make such a noise that the police will give that Cartazzi bombing all they've got. Let's make this city too hot to hold any of those rackets that raised Tom a few years ago. Give it a double-column editorial in 12-point type. In addition to that, box a two-column item on page one. If you want it, Gunnigan, I'll write something up for you. Excellent. Maybe I can write it myself. Of course, I've only been on the desk for 20 years, but I might be able to stagger through. Well, if you have any trouble, let me know. No, I give up. 
Granny really seems upset about something. <laughs> yes, he seems to be. Maybe that woman has got under his skin. Give me a rewrite on this. Okay, Gunnigan. Take this to the composing room and don't get lost on the way. Yes, sir. Bates, cut this down to two sticks. Got to squeeze the first page for the next edition. Hello. Give me them all. Two sticks, Gunnigan, but that I means... I said two sticks. And you... Hey, Jake. Give me a four-column head and a two-column drop on Katosi. Oh, where's the mog? What's the matter? They all dead down there? What's poppin', Gunnigan? Oh, I'll read once noise about the Katosi bombing and I'm going to give it to him. Hello. Well, it's about time. Listen. See if you can stay awake long enough to dig out the files on Dynamite Fletcher. Yeah, now Dynamite Fletcher, gang leader and hoodlum from the Roaring Twenties. F like in Funny Bone, L like in Lollapalooza, E like in Bitter End, T like in Tic Tac Well, boys, did you see my picture in the Daily Sentinel? That's an old picture, Fletcher. You don't look anything like that nowadays. Maybe I should have a new one taken, eh, Spud? <laughs> Smart. <laughs> With every yeah. cop in town looking for you to answer questions. Well, yeah. Tom and last night sure got the Sentinel stirred up. Maybe we better lay low for a few days, huh, Fletcher? Lay low, my I sat through a war waiting for things to open up. We've got a gold mine between now and Christmas. We're going to dig for all we're worth. The cops suspect you, Fletcher. So what? Do I look anything like that old picture? No. Feel like you're different to let me out of prison? No, you don't. That duck sure did things to your face. <laughs> well, let's get busy. Here's a list of the fruit dealers that have already signed up in our protective organization. They'll have a payment ready every week. But there's a lot of them that don't understand what we mean to speak of protective organization. There's two in particular that won't understand. We'll make examples of those two. Here's the locations. You want us to give them the... Gas pipe treatment? Yeah, tonight. Give them the same as Cartouche again. <laughs> the Sentinel and the cops ain't gonna like it. <laughs> as if we care. last night. Oh, Mr. Reed, isn't there some way the police can stop such things? Look at this article. I saw it in this case. Two people were killed by the bombings, and the little kid was seriously hurt by the car those rats were driving. Yes, I know. And Axford's more certain than ever that there's a new racket. There probably is. All three of the places that have been hit were fruit markets. Well, if the police suspect this man, this dynamite Fletcher, why don't they pick him up? They're looking for him. Trouble is, they won't get any place if they find him. Why won't they? Oh, it'll be the old story, Miss Case. Proof. There's a wide gap between knowing a man is guilty and getting proof that a smart lawyer can't shake. Oh, darn. I, I wish there was some way to lick these crooks and their conniving lawyers. And the red tape of the law. 
Hello, Brent. Why, Rance. This is the time I caught you. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have stayed so long in Miss Case's office. How are you? Oh, fine. Uh, Miss Case, this is Rance Talbot, and he's selling insurance. Oh, here's my card, Miss Case. If you're in the market for... Oh, I'll just add it to my collection. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it seems that half the men in our class went into insurance. Oh, but seriously, Brent, I want... Come on, to... my office, Brent. Thanks. It's great to see you, but... Uh, I'm not going to do business with you. On the level, Britt. Have you all you need? Dad set up a portfolio for me. Okay, Bella. I'll let it go at that. Cigarette? No, thanks. How do you like publishing? Oh, it's all right. You've gone to town on the racketeer bombings. I thought you had a big spread yesterday, but today's even better. Oh, that's Gunnigan. He and a guy named Axford are all steamed up about racketeers rearing their ugly heads again. Say, Rance, hmm? I just thought of something. Yeah? Does your firm carry a policy that would protect those fruit dealers against accidents? Yeah, we have a policy, but it's high-priced. Well, it's cheaper than repairs to a bond building. Oh, sure. Why don't you go right down the list of the fruit dealers? Those men need insurance as ever before. But, Brett, I'm specializing in... I know that. But you don't object to picking up a few extra bucks, do you? No, but... I... I'll bet you could knock off a dozen sales between now and five o'clock. Oh, now, wait. Or at least half a dozen. I'd bet on it. You'd bet on it, huh? Well, that's something. What'd you bet? <laughs> Calling me, eh? Put up or shut up. All right. I'll tell you what I'll do, Rance. If you make an honest-to-gosh effort and can't sell at least six accident policies to fruit dealers, I, I'll let you write me up for an extra 10000 Make it 20000 I'll make a stab at it. Fifteen. Done. But you've got to make an honest effort. I will. <laughs> I won't know whether you do or not. <laughs> Come with me if you want to. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll have Mike Axford go with you. Well, who's he? He used to be a cop. Oh? Before Dad went west, he hired Axford as a bodyguard for me. I keep him busy covering the news at police headquarters. Well, bring him on. I'll see what I can do. But remember, if I don't make six deals, I write you up for fifteen grand. <laughs> Rance didn't suspect that Britt's sudden idea was born in the interest of the Green Hornet. He didn't realize that Britt carried Michael Axford's report home that evening and went over it very carefully with Cato. <laughs> Looks as if I'll have to buy a policy from Rance. Yes, Mr. Britt? According to Axford's reports, he made a sincere effort, but only four sales. These dealers are afraid of the racketeers. That means they have not joined a protective organization. Oh, I see. I'll take this other list. These are men who weren't the least interested in what Rance had to offer. Do you know what that means? I'm not sure, It but... means that they're paying for protection. They feel they don't need insurance. They're the ones we're going to call on. Come on. Stepping through a secret panel in the rear of a closet in his bedroom, Britt Reed and Cato went along a narrow passageway built within the walls of the apartment house itself. This led to an adjoining building which fronted on a dark side street. Those supposedly abandoned... This building served as the hiding place for the sleek, super-powered Black Beauty, streamlined car of the Green Hornet. Britt Reed pressed a button. The great car roared into life. A section of the wall in front raised automatically, then closed as the gleaming Black Beauty sped into the darkness.
continue our Green Hornet adventure in just a moment. And now, back to our story. Phil Misto was one of the many fruit dealers who had been terrorized by the Dynamite Fletcher Gang and their protective association. In the living quarters behind his small shop, Misto and his wife wore expressions of worry. Their concern would have been even greater had they known that the much-feared Green Hornet was at that moment moving toward them through the dark side streets. Lara, Sam Kislov, he's got threat. These men may have hurt him just because he would not pay. Yeah, he'd be lucky. He'd be only threatened. He better pay what they say. For the protection. Oh, Phil, and where we get the money for to make the payments? Fifteen dollar every week. Sixty dollar every month. Uh, we got to pay. And more money we got to charge for fruit. Is only way, Laura. But our customers, they go to other places. Laura, other places got charged more, too. They will pay like us. And we afraid to go to police. These men, they're not good men. No, no, but what we do? Cartosi already dead, Laura. Haskell in hospital, his place burned down. We got our lives to think of. Yes, mister, you have. Look! That mask gone. Who are you? Be quiet. Listen to me. That mask. He, he's the one they call Green Horn. Oh, don't kill us. We do nothing. Mister, I came to speak about your payments. Uh, payments? Right. You've been promised protection for your store, haven't you? Yes, yes, but but you not be men who told me about paying. You be not men who come... I'm the one who's here now. We want nothing. The $15, it is not due... I'm here to tell you how to pay it. But this man, he told me. He say each on Friday... Listen I... to me. Yes, I, I listen. We don't want to come here to collect. You'll send the money to the address on this card. Understand? I send it, I promise. If you don't, you may get the same as Haskell and Cartosi and a few others. No. No, no. Do not do that. We will pay. I send money, I swear I will. See that you get it there ahead of time. And one thing more. Don't tell the cops anything. If you do, I'll know about it. Then you might have an accident. Remember that. Yes, yes, I, I remember. But don't hurt us. Very well. We'll have no trouble unless you make it. Now, Kato, we'll call on the next man on the list. The name is Lopez, two blocks south. It is your heart. Take it easy, Lopez. I'm here to tell you how you're going to pay. Follow orders, Finkel, and you'll not be hurt. The Green Hornet struck terror to the hearts of a number of people whose names were on his list. After his final call, he opened the Black Beauty wide and turned on the weird-sounding horn. Everyone knew the Green Hornet had been in action. A few days later, Spud and Parker were in a furious rage when they reported to Dynamite Fletcher. And we didn't collect a red cent. This is a double cross. Oh, honest, boss, it ain't. Green Hornet beat us to it. Green Hornet? Boss, the Hornets muscled in on our game. 
He told those guys that he was a big boss. He collected in person. Hey, hey, we got something, though. Look at these cards. The Hornet left them and told the dealers to send cash to that address every week. Green Hornet. Hey, that dirty chisel. We had a tough time, boss, but we made those guys talk. So the cash to be sent to this address every week, eh? I guess he didn't figure we'd be able to get any information from those fruit dealers. <laughs> any guy will squawk when he sees his wife in danger. Boys, starting tonight, we'll watch that address. We'll get that green hornet. This time he slipped up. Slipped plenty. That evening, Michael Axford rushed excitedly into police headquarters, waiting a letter at his friend, Sergeant Burke. Sarge! Holy crow, man! Get a load of this! It's the best tip he ever got. Axford, you crazy banshee, take it easy. Tell me what it's all about. The green hornet, that's what. What? The green hornet, that's it. This here tells where half the guy can be found. It tells, too, that he's the guy who's heading his fruit racket. Is this straight, Axford? Here, let me see that. You bet it's straight. Maybe Dynamite Fletcher is the Green Hornet. How'd you get this? It came to the office. And I... And I, I mean without no name signed. And Britt Reed turned it over to me. It was likely sent by one of the victims. And this sounds like the bird who wrote it knew what he was talking about, all right. Sure. That's just what I told Britt Reed. We're going to that address. That's just what I was going to suggest. You and me, Sarge. Just the two of us. If there's a lot of cops, they'll attract attention. We gotta go out there quiet and wait until that hornet comes in. Then we'll nail him. I'll have a squad waiting nearby. Good thing it's dark here. This house looks deserted on its side. Never can tell about that. Turn your flashlight this way. Now I'll have this door open in a jiffy. I hope. This back door isn't used much. No, it ain't. But now there, shut it again. I hope the rest of the boys are on their toes. They're across the street in the alley, ain't they? Watch out for those squeaking floorboards. The green hornet is in this house. He's likely heard us. If he ain't here, it don't matter. The house looks empty. We'll go through to the front and see if the front door has been used recent. Good idea. Hey, look. There's some nails shoved under the door. Hold the light close. By golly, it's beginning to look like maybe there was something to this tip after all. Mm, I hope you're right about that. But look here. John Sloan. John Sloan. Say... All of them letters has got the same man's name on them. Yeah, I wonder... Well, don't stand there. Open them up. Just what I'm doing. Just exactly what I'm doing. Ah. Now, now, now what's in the first one, huh? Dough. Look here, $15. Holy crow. Now, what do you suppose... Hey, Sarge, what's that note what it say? Philip Misto, per the week of the 12th. Misto. Hey, he's one of the fruit dealers. I remember calling on him. Here, Axford, take this one and open it. Sure. It's as plain as day, Axford, huh? The Green Hornet must have told these guys to send the dough here. Sure, that's it. And he told all of them to send it to John Sloan. Yeah. Hey. Sarge, here's more dough in this one. Now we got proof. So all we got to do is wait till he comes and then grab the Green Hornet. And there's another thing, Axford. What's that? The names on these notes here are the guys we'll subpoena as witnesses. By golly, that's right. Quiet. There's a car stopping outside. Hear it? Oh, golly. Keep back where it's dark and wait. I'll give the word when everything is set to nab the green hornet.
said your husband. Yeah. Looks kind of deserted, don't it, Fletcher? Oh, Parker, that's where the haunter would want his joint to look. Get up, Spud. Come on, both of you. Get out of the car now. Get the chopper, Andy. Hey, boss, you ain't taking no chances, are you? Of course I'm not. I want that guy mowed right down. I'm the guy for the job. The boys, on top of getting rid of the green hornet, will collect that reward the senator's offering for him. That won't be bad either. I hope this ain't a trap of some sort. What sort of a trap could it be? Stop worrying, Yeah, that green hornet ain't superhuman. When this chopper starts talking, it'll get him just like it would anybody else. Stand to one side, but again, I'll try the door. If he's not here, we'll get inside and prepare a welcome for him. Yeah. No lights inside. Place looks empty. You sure we got the right address? Yeah. See if the door's locked. It is. But I've got a key to loop any lock of this can. Get it? Yeah. Now get ready with a chopper in case there's anybody here, Puggy. Yeah, leave that to me, Fletcher. I'll find the light so we can look around. No light, stupid. He's outside waiting. You want to be safe? Stop it! Hey, hey somebody! Quick, the gun! All right, you small team! Martin, grab that gun. Turn it loose on those guys. There you go. Let go. Yeah, I got this one. Stand back there and drop your gun. Oh, wait, there's a mistake. Just take me eye. These guys are cops. Cops. Cops is right. And you fellas come here for your mail. Uh, huh? Listen, boys, you've got us all wrong. Get that light on this one, Sarge. He's the one to call Fletcher. Oh, wait a minute. Save it, you small fiend. Fletcher. He's the one that's wanted, expert. Here comes the other lads. Everything under control here. We got him. What's got him? Did you nail the driver of that car? Sure thing. Oh, you've changed, Fletcher. Now, wait. Listen to me, boys. We come here in a tip to catch the Green Hornet. Tell that to the judge. Tell it to the Marines. Tell it to the people that sent this dough. Here, Flanagan, you and Cohen take these envelopes. Pick up all the people that's got their name inside and bring them to headquarters. Right. Now, wait. Listen to me. This is a frame-up. You've got to listen. Shut up or I'll give you one on the noggin. Now, come along. we got to get to headquarters and get ready for company. Time. Me? I remember him. He tell us we have to sign up or we'd be sorry. That is the guy I pay off. Uh, you, you're the one who come to threaten me. You're still calling me. That one threatened my Expert, we got him cold. We got bullets from the machine gun, and they match the ones from the Cartosa job. Oh, golly. What's more, that bird who got his face changed, that bird's fingerprints match Fletcher. We got him cold, and with a dozen witnesses. The only trouble is... Where does the green hornet fit into the picture? By Gary Reed, you know, I was right both ways. How do you mean, Axford? Well, Fletcher was involved in that fruit racket, and so was the green hornet. Oh? Parker and Spud were Fletcher's two sidekicks. They'll all take a murder rap. Good. But there's something I can't figure out. What's that? From the stories we got, it had seemed the Green Hand was in the racket, too. But it don't seem he was. Oh? Axford, tell me this. Is the racket really smashed? Suffer and snakes, Reed, it's busted wide open. Well, then that's the big thing. It's all that really counts. Why worry about the Green Hornet? Worry? <laughs> Golly, Reed, who's worrying? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
popular radio dramas created by George W. Trendle are a copyrighted feature of The Green Hornet, Incorporated. All characters, names, places, and incidents used are fictitious. Stay tuned for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis and their special guest, Hopalong Cassidy. Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed from Hollywood, the Martin and Lewis Show. Our guest tonight, Bill Hopalong Cassidy Boy, featuring Flo McMichael, Sheldon Leonard, Ben Alexander, Dick Stabile and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin. November and December and January. Boy, was that tree loaded with brown leaves. <laughs> five foot two eyes of blue. But oh, what those five foot could do. Has anybody seen my gal? Turn up nose and a turn down hose. Never had another bow. Has anybody seen my gal? Now, if you run into five foot two, covered with fur, diamond rings, and all those things. Bet you life that it isn't hers. Could she love and could she woo? Could she, could she, could she coo? Has anybody seen my girl? Five foot two, eyes are blue. But oh, what those five foot could do. Has anybody seen my girl? Now, if you run into five foot two, covered with fur, diamond rings, and all those things, bet you laugh that it wasn't her. Could she love him? Could she coo? Could she, could she, could she woo? Has anybody seen my dad? For the past couple of days, Dean and Jerry have been unable to come to an agreement on where to spend their vacation. As we look in at their little apartment, we find it littered with travel folders and resort ads, and the discussion's still going on. Jerry, we've been talking about every place I can think of that's spent a vacation, and you just won't make up your mind. I did make up my mind. The Canadian Rockies. It's beautiful up there. 
I read all about it in that new book I got from the Book of the Year Club. You mean the Book of the Month Club? No, I read slow. <laughs> you know, I've always wanted to see the tropics, Jerry. Uh, how about Hawaii? Hawaii? Ah, beautiful Hawaii. No, I don't think I'd like it there Ah, uh, but Hawaii has those beautiful tropical nights With the palm trees in the background nah. And Waikiki Beach with the warm rolling surf nah. And beautiful native girls in those grass skirts Wait till I get my Vigoro and I'll go with you Ah, uh, Jerry, winter will be here before you make up your mind I'll tell you Let's just load the car, and I'll go down to the service station and get a road map. You'll get a road map? Oh, Jerry, that's a wonderful way to spend a vacation. Lost. <laughs> Lost? Listen, I can read a road map. Just suppose we were going to make a trip to Lake Tahoe, say. Now, we lay the map down on the ground with the arrow facing north, which is to our south because the station is on our right facing east. We follow the red line to the Mexican border. No, that's wrong. We back up here and take this road marked 18. Now, that's the number of miles to Pomona. <laughs> well, anyway, we turn here and go around to here and... Well, then if we go... Maybe, there's a detour. Uh, Dean? Why? I'm lost. <laughs> well, this is going to be a great vacation. I can see that. Come in. Well, hello, Florence. Hi, Florence. How's our secretary? Hello, Mr. Martin, Mr. Willis. I'm fine. Maybe you can help us, Florence. If you had your choice on where to go on a vacation, where would it be? Well, let's see. Well, I drive north to San Francisco, and then east past Lake Tahoe and into Nevada, and then I turn around and back into Reno. <laughs> You're back into Reno? Sure. I don't want to get a divorce. I want to get married. <laughs> We just wanted an idea, Florence. Uh, where did you go on your vacation? To the beach. You should see the hit I made in my French bathing suit. Oh, you have a French bathing suit, huh? Yeah. I designed it myself. I got the idea from a movie I saw. Well, which movie? The Lady Gamble. <laughs> hey, maybe we should go to the beach, Dean. After all, I have a French bathing suit, too. Jerry, men don't wear French bathing suits. They don't? No. Anybody want to buy a strapless handkerchief? <laughs> Say, why didn't you go to the mountains? That's where I went last summer, up to Hairless Lake. Hairless Lake? <laughs> now, where in the world is Hairless Lake? Oh, you know. It's that big bunch of water that's held back by Balder Dam. <laughs> Balder Dam? <laughs> it's Balder Dame. Lawrence, uh, here's the mail that came this morning. Now, you go on, take it home and answer it, and don't worry about a thing. You're going to be all right. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> well, let's run through these uh, tourist folders once more, Jerry. Now, now, you listen to me closely. Sun Valley, Yosemite. Well, what do you know? A little bitty tap on the door and it popped open. Well, uh, now that I'm inside... Hey, wait uh, a minute. Who are you? Dean, don't you remember him? It's the guy who lives in the next apartment, Soapy Leonard. 
You said that's right, Soapy Leonard. They call me Soapy because I'm 99 and 44 100s percent pure. <laughs> now, uh, let me tell you about this vacation of yours. Now, you I just will... wait a minute. How uh, do you know we were talking about our vacation? It's easy. I used to be a house detective. <laughs> you were a house detective, Mr. Leonard? Yeah, sure, that's me. Tall, dark, and transom. <laughs> Look, we were having a uh, fine little private conversation, and you're nothing but an eavesdropper. I am not an eavesdropper. No, sir. I got a perfectly legitimate hole drilled in your baseboard. <laughs> oh, well, then you're a peeping Tom. I certainly am not. I hate peeping Toms. I'm a listening Louie. <laughs> now, uh, when I overheard you talking, I got struck with a great idea for you guys. Now, this is wonderful. You see, a camping trip, a vacation for you up in a high Sierra mountain. Huh? Oh, no, that's not for Jerry Lewis. Why, it is for Jerry Lewis. Just the thing you need. Put muscles on you. Build up your chest. Chest? What's that? <laughs> Look, uh, what do you think happens to the air when you inhale? I don't know. All I do is exhale. <laughs> you know, Jerry, maybe Sophie's got something there. You could do with a little building up. Yeah, certainly. That's right. And not only will it build you boys up... It will also save you money. Now, you just leave everything to me. I'll fix you up with all the stuff you need, everything. Now, all that you really want, though, is just a few crackers to munch on. Well, what do you figure it'll cost us? A few crackers? I don't know. $500? $500 for a few crackers? You want salt on them, don't you? Look, we're not paying any $500 to go on a camping trip. Well, all right, all right. I can probably get it for you a little cheaper, but there is one thing I want you to know. If I am going to be nice enough to go to the bottom of handling your money, you will have to trust me. <laughs> you do trust me, don't you? Oh, yes, of course. Bless his stupid little heart. <laughs> it's all said. I need a little money to get the equipment. I tell you what, we will all contribute equally, huh? Okay, here's 50 Here's my 50. Here's my 50. <laughs> All right, I'll go get the provisions. I'll see you boys later. Okay, so please. Well, I don't know. That soapy doesn't seem like much of an outdoor man to me, Jerry. I uh, hope we didn't make a mistake. Maybe we should have gone to Boulder Dane. <laughs> oh, come on, Jerry We'll throw some old clothes together And be on our way to the high Sierra Jerry, why are you stopping here? I think I better have another look at this map Oh, what's the use? We're lost I ain't seen nothing but animals along this road for an hour yeah, Jerry, you got us lost in the middle of these woods. Yeah. Don't you blame me, Dean Martin. You told me to follow the white strip down the highway, and that's exactly what I did. Well, let's drive on, then. What are you waiting for? The white strip. It's sitting up in that tree looking at me. <laughs> well, the road's ended. The only thing to do is unload the car and camp here for the night. Hey, Jerry, you get the stuff out of the back seat. And, Jerry, be careful with those hunting guns. Okay, okay. Boy, this stuff is really packed in here tight. <clears throat> Imagine that Dean telling me to be careful of these hunting guns. What does he think I am, a kid or something? 
Jerry, you all right? Yeah, Dean, there's only one thing. What's that? When you mount my head over the fireplace, don't let people hang hats on my ears. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy, you smell that air. Oh, what a great night's sleep we're going to get out here, huh? Yeah, maybe so, but what are we going to sleep on? Well, there's nothing to it, kid. You just spread your blankets on the ground. It's going to be nice and soft when you snuggle up to Mother Nature. Well, lie down and try it. <clears throat> ow, ow! Ooh. What's the matter, kid? Feels like Mother Nature forgot to take her corset off. <laughs> hey, Jerry, I've been looking all through the car, and I can't find any matches. I forgot them. <laughs> The one thing that we trust you to get and you forget it. I gotta go back to town and get the matches. All right, matches. Let's see, I'll need a little money. How much, Sophie? Let's see now, matches. And about 20 bucks will do it. $20 for a box of matches? You want sulfur on them, don't you? <laughs> I'm just giving you $1. You can steal the matches for all I care. Well, now, there is a proposition that appeals to my sporting instincts. <laughs> all right, I'll drive the car back to town. So long, boys. Well, Jerry, we're on our own. Here we are, just the two of us in the middle of the woods. Yeah. It, it's so dark here, and I, I'm scared. You hold my hand, Dean, please. Oh, thank you, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, I'm not holding your hand. You're not? <laughs> Jerry, you're holding your own hand. I am? Jerry, <laughs> there's nothing to be afraid of Now let's fix up a couple of beds and get some sleep I don't know about you, but I'm going to take this axe and make a bed out of branches This looks like a good branch here Keep on, Jerry. You're almost through the bark. <laughs> Look, almighty woodsman. Now you put down that axe and come over here. We've got sleeping bags. Now go on and get into yours. Oh, all right. They're a little complicated, you know? Are you sure you know how to handle yours? Don't worry about Jerry Lewis. <laughs> there. Well, you got your pants off. Now get in the sleeping bag. <laughs> I'll handle this. Hey, hey. Hey, listen. Dean, you hear something? Yeah, what was it? It was over that way. I can't see anything. Wait a minute. Yeah, it's getting clearer. I see it. What is it? A television set. <laughs> hey, that's no television set. That's William Boyd. Hop along, Cassidy. These guns have a handy habit of picking out rustlers, that's why. Rustlers? Yeah. Some low-down vomits got away with a thousand head of my cattle, and I think I know who. Honest, Mr. Cassidy, we haven't got your thousand head of cattle. If you don't believe it, you can search us. <laughs> uh, you can stop that right now. Talking like city slickers isn't going to throw me off the trail. Honest, Mr. Boyd, we're not rustlers. We've never been rustlers. We don't even know any rustlers. Wait a minute, Dean. What about gorgeous George? 
we're Martin and Lewis, Mr. Cassidy. Uh, we're comedians. Haven't you heard us on the radio? I've heard Martin and Lewis on the radio. But if you're them, what are you doing out here in the woods, sleeping on the ground with nothing but crackers to eat? Oh, well, maybe you'll get a sponsor soon. <laughs> you must know us, Mr. Cassidy. We're in, we're in movies, you know. We just finished a picture of Paramount called My Friend Irma. My Friend Irma? That's a funny name for a Western. It's not a Western, Mr. Cassidy. A lot of pictures are made that aren't Westerns. Well, when did they think of that? <laughs> now, that's enough of this small talk. You'll tell me where my cattle are. I might ask the law to go a little easier on you. Honest, Mr. Cassidy, we haven't got your cattle. We haven't got any animals. All we got is a little flying red horse in the car. (laughs) (laughs) A little flying red horse in the car. (laughs) Don't shoot me. I made a western (laughs) boo-boo. You sure did. And you've been trying to tell me you're Jerry Lewis, the comedian. Sure, and I'm a singer, too. Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam. Well? I wouldn't sing like that around here if I was you, partner. Why not? The government pays a pretty big bounty for coyote hides. (laughs) Coyote? What's a coyote? That's a Mel Torme with fur on it. If I can't convince you who we are, maybe Dean can do it. Would you recognize Dean's voice if you heard it? I reckon. Okay, Dean. Will you get us out of this spot? Sing that one I was humming while we were driving up here. Oh, you must mean again, huh? That's right. All right, I'll do my best. Again. couldn't happen again This is the once in a lifetime This is a thrill of Oh, what's more never happened before Oh, I have prayed for a lifetime That such as you would suddenly be mine Mine to hold as I'm holding you now And yet Never so near Mine to have For the now and the here Disappear What matters Doesn't happen again. We'll have this moment forever. 
but never, never was great singing, Dean. Well, thanks, Hoppy. And now you're convinced we're Martin and Lewis? Yeah, but I still gotta catch those rustlers. It's pretty late. You fellas don't mind I'll stay here tonight and ride after him first thing in the morning. It's okay with us. Well, Hoppy, I'm, I'm gonna turn in for the night and get some sleep. There, I'm in my sleeping bag. <laughs> I'm in my sleeping bag. You in your sleeping bag, Jerry? No, in the dark, I put my pants back on. <laughs> Good night, fellas. Good night. Good night. Oh, boy. Am I going to sleep tonight? Gee, Hoppy's going to get up tomorrow and chase rustlers. He sure leads an exciting life. I wish I could go out and chase rustlers like he does. <laughs> Tonight, Lana, I'm having a Western dream. <laughs> Come on, Jerry. Dean, I just got word of the wrestlers in the Red Dog Saloon down at Panama City. I gotta go. Wait a minute. Hop along. You can't catch him without me. Give me a six-shooter and I'll go with you. Can you handle a six-shooter? Can I handle a six-shooter? I just said, give me a six-shooter and I'll go with you. And you got the nerve to ask me if I can handle one. <laughs> well, can you? Well, no. <laughs> well, of course, Jerry can handle a gun. Come on, let's get on the horse and ride into the Red Dog Saloon. Okay. Oh, boy. Hup, I'm on. Hup, I'm on. Hup, I'm on. Whoa, ho. Now, look, fellas, we're not all supposed to be on the same horse. <laughs> Jerry, let's get on our own horses and get moving. Boy, look at that go! Yahoo! Yippee! Hey, hop along. How do you like the way I ride? Wait a minute, partner. You're facing the wrong way. You're riding backwards. <laughs> oh, I wondered why my horse was so round-shouldered. <laughs> Lost again. We'll never get to the Red Dog Saloon this way. Oh no! Oh no! Look, isn't that the Red Dog right over there? Ah, that's nothing but a mirage. Well, let's head for that. It's better than nothing. You know, Jerry, you sure are the bow-leggedest cowboy I ever saw. I ain't so bow-legged. Oh no? Then what became of your horse? <laughs> Gone, slipped out from under me again. Well, it doesn't matter. Whoa! Well, here we are at the Red Dog Saloon. Let's go in. 
Coming over here, the one with the evening gown and all the diamonds. Looks like our secretary, Florence. Yeah. Hello, boys. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the Red Zone. Hey, who are you supposed to be? Why, I'm Texas Buckshot Bertha, the queen of the dance halls. I'm the most gorgeous gal west of the Panamint. Why, the cowboys come for hundreds of miles just to look at me and let my beauty drive them crazy. <laughs> Hey, Florence. What? Are you for real? <laughs> of course I'm not for real. This is a Western dream, isn't it? Now, uh, what can I do for you, boy? You're pretty attractive. Oh. <laughs> you like the perfume I got on? It's a scent from Cody. Smells more like it was sent from North Dakota. <laughs> Well, I'm tired of all this stalling around. Some rustlers got away with a thousand hit of my cattle. You got any idea where I can find them? Hey, uh, look, I'm the proprietor. I just happened to overhear what you gents said. You see, I got a little hole drilled in a bar. <laughs> Sophie, what are you doing here? We sent you for matches. Yeah, where's that dollar I gave? Well, I'll tell you, boys, I got a confession to make. I was going to spend the dollar for matches, you see, but on the way, I ran into a very nice deal. A thousand head of cattle for a buck. Uh, those were my cattle Well, all right, all right, stranger Don't get excited I'm a guy who always does the right thing Here's your buck I don't want that dollar I want my herd of cattle And I'm gonna get it Now, let's don't get excited, man We can talk it over level-headed like But first, uh, uh, how about a drink on a house, huh? I don't drink I don't drink either I'm kind of thirsty <laughs> Now I'm gonna search this saloon For them cattle Starting with this room right here No, no, wait, wait, look, don't, don't open that door Why not? Well, you see, I, I got me a lady friend and I, well, I hit her in there Oh, yeah? We'll see about that Oh, pardon me, I thought he was lying, ma'am yes. Well, you might have caught me, but it ain't gonna do you any good because I got you covered Get your hands up, you skinny little punk Skinny little punk. Listen, I'm not afraid of you. I got a chest that's just as big as yours. And I got a right hand punch that'll knock you for a loop. And I got a left hand punch that'll break you in half. And I'm so full of muscles that I can take iron and bend it. And tear steel with my teeth. And if I ever grab you, boy, and if I ever really... Look how he's staring at me. <laughs> I'm taking over here, Soapy. You're going to see the sheriff. Yeah, well, if you want me to see the sheriff, you guys will have to take me. I have got my gun drawn. I've got my gun drawn. I've got my gun drawn. Wait a minute. What's the matter? I can't find any paper and pencil. <laughs> I ain't waiting, Jay. I'm finishing off this wrestler right now. Wait a minute, Dean. Don't shoot him. The government's got a price on his head. Yeah, $10,000. Hey, hey, you, you say, um... Did I understand you to say that the, the government has got a price of 10,000 bucks on my head? That's right. Tell you what I'll do. Here's a way to make a fast buck. Uh, you give me 5,000, you can have my head. Wait a minute. $5,000 for your head? You want it with hair on it, don't you? <laughs> Hello, 
Wake up, Jerry. Jerry, wake up. What? What? You've been hollering and screaming for five minutes. You must have been having a nightmare. Yeah. Boy, am I glad to see you guys. Boy, what a dream I had. We got on some horses, see? And we rode and rode and rode down to some saloon and captured a cattle rustler. Boy, was it awful. Jerry, take it easy. You've been right here in your sleeping bag. Yeah, Jerry, you haven't been doing any riding. I go on, go to sleep. Okay, Dean. Dean. What? You said I haven't been doing any riding? Of course not. And how come I can't be comfortable anyway except lying on my stomach? <laughs> Thank you, Bill Boyd, for being with us. Good night, everybody. Bye. The Martin Lewis Show, transcribed in Hollywood, is produced by Robert L. Redd, written by Ray Allen and Dick McKnight, with Mark Lockman and Cy Rose. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's the Cisco Kid, followed by Red Skelton. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.